Well, hey there. This is Chris Foster, the Profile Guy. Listen, guys, I am so excited to be doing an episode with none other than Josh Lamonica. Now, Josh has been somebody that's been on my radar to do this podcast for a very long time. And can I just say this? The reasons why I do this coaching work is because many years ago, Josh came to me at a show and asked me a question. How do you become big? And I couldn't quite sum that up because I didn't know how the process worked. But I went away and it pricked me so much in my mind that I went away and I researched how do people really change the culture of an industry. And that's what I studied. And now I can obviously give people help and advice. But at the time when Josh asked me this, I couldn't really give him a a step-by-step formula. Anyway, fast forward, uh, we're talking maybe nine years. This guy is one of the biggest names within the barbering industry. And he is a global icon. Now, I am not going to mix my words here because this is going to be a great episode for you and I want you the listener to understand what it takes to be a global brand because anybody can do this with the right strategies with the right determination and with the right philosophy you could achieve so much with this wonderful industry that we have at the moment so guys I look forward to seeing you Well, I can't really see you, really. And I'm not going to edit this out because this is real. (laughs) I am looking forward to sharing with you this episode of the Profit Profile podcast interview with none other than Joshua Monica. Hey, Josh, welcome to the Profit Profile podcast. Thank you for joining us. Hey, Chrissy, how's it going, man? Hey, listen, I'm enjoying myself on lockdown. At the time of recording this, everyone is on lockdown at the moment. So tell me how you cope with lockdown, first of all. Do you know what, bro? I'm actually, um, I'm enjoying it, bro. I'm embracing it, you know. Um, I've been travelling around. I've been working really hard for you know, a long time, man. And uh, this, this easily would have been the only thing that would have kept me in the country. So I'm actually really embracing it. I'm, I'm you know, I'm enjoying being back home. Obviously, there are disadvantages, but you know, I'm I'm staying positive. You know, I'm enjoying my time. So uh, there's a lot of missed time that I've, I've, you know, missed out on being home. So it's it's good, man. It's good. Brilliant. Thank you for enjoying us. I mean, I mean, I want to now talk about your career. I mean, the whole idea of the Profit Profile podcast is to <clears throat> talk to key people of influence within the hairdressing industry, and I definitely see you as a key person of influence. And when the Thanks, very man. first time I saw you in 2011, you came up to me at Pro Hair Live, I was doing a seminar and you says, Chris, how do I become big? So yeah. it's been inside of you for a long time that you've for had a, a long vision, time, man. vision to be big. Now, what was the steps that you took, do you feel, that helped you be, to, to be the person you are today, one, and obviously have this global um, uh, influential power that is Menspire? You know what, man, just before we just before we dive into that, man, I got I got to give kudos to you, man. You are the, and I, I know we had a phone call the other day, and I didn't I didn't get a chance to slip it in there, but bruv, you are the OG. And if there is a, a definition in the dictionary of OG, it should be written Chris Foster next to it. I oh, appreciate it, because <laughs> if you know what, if if it wasn't for yourself, and 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 obviously at the time there was Simon Shaw, you know the the two biggest dogs of barbering. 
you know that that was what gave me enlightenment and and and, and an empowerment to go you know what i, w- I want to do this and i can do this so you know if it wasn't for you there i i, I wouldn't have nothing to be inspired by oh so, wow <laughs> you know big big thank you to you man and you know i know this is probably the first time that we've ever had to you know actually got to have a conversation i know we've we've caught up in the past mm. but you know, I'm really, really looking forward to this, man. I really, really just want to say thank you for having me on, man. This is just brilliant. I, I can't wait to get in, get stuck into this conversation, man. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that, man. Enough love to you, man. But like I said now, I'm like, it's like the battles we're handed on, you are literally blazing it. So let's talk about you now, man. <laughs> of course, man. <laughs> so how did you get into it? How did you get into the game? So I started cutting hair when I was 15 years old and I was inspired by you know, people like football and footballers having cool hairstyles and being, you know, the height of what a young boy looks at in terms of cool and whatever. And obviously David Beckham was a, a huge example of someone that had cool hair, you know, man like Darren Huckabee from Norwich, cool hairstyles. And obviously being a keen footballer at the time, I wanted to recreate those hairstyles on myself. And um, I would go to the barbers and... I wouldn't get the haircut that I wanted. They'd always take it too short and it used to leave me frustrated. <laughs> and, you know, with, with that in mind, I started to get really, really particular with the way that I wanted to be styled, to be cut. And eventually I, um, I got my auntie to start cutting my hair. Now, because she was family, I had a little bit more freedom of speech. So that enabled me to sort of, you know, be, be a little bit more particular without being shy. Because, you know, when you go to the barbers, you're 13, 14, you're kind of a bit shy of the barber. You know, you, you, you those days you kind of left your mum or dad to say something to the barber. And, uh, you know, by this this time, I was, I was getting my auntie to do my hair and you know, it allowed me to have a little bit more freedom of speech. And, and I started to get the haircut that I wanted and styling it the way that I wanted. And then my friends were looking at me and my hairstyle and they were all like, yo, bro, where'd, where'd you get your haircut? And I, I used to turn around to them. I said, you know what? I cut it myself. And then they would say to me, well, can you do mine? And obviously at this point I'm looking and I'm thinking, <laughs> wow. yeah, I, yeah, I can. <laughs> so uh, I got a pair of uh, clippers and, and, you know, the, the, the scissors with a plastic handle of course. from uh, Argos. <laughs> and uh, my brother at the time was doing like putting lines in people's eyebrows and in people's heads. And I was just like, yeah, you know, you just follow what your brother does sometimes. And, you know, that also inspired me as well. So I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take this on. So I started cutting my friend's hair with the clippers and scissors. And, you know, it, it, it kind of, it was, it was really quite natural. Um, you know, I was just picking up hair, cutting it where I thought it needed to be shorter, leaving it where I needed to be longer. I was just doing, just cutting. I was just cutting. And then eventually, you know, friends were telling their friends and I weren't charging no one at this time. But eventually when I got to, when I got to college, um, I started doing a, a, a football diploma at uh, at St Albans Academy, and I was trimming up all the players in the uh, in the change room at this time. So I'd already had like a year of self taught experience. You're about seventeen so was, now or sixteen now? Roughly? This, I'm, I'm I'm sixteen seventeen this now, going right. into college. Okay, and um, I'm starting to cut my teammates' hair in the changing rooms before training. You know, shaping them up before games. Mm-hmm. So I started building up loads of experience. Um, before finishing that two-year course and then I went to a barbering uh, college in Luton and I'd done barbering for a year Mm -hmm. 
So this time I'm 18 now. I've had two years of experience, sort of self-taught. Um, and I've now just jumped into a, a barbering college for a year. Now, this is where I um, started to get taught and mentored by uh, two Afro-Caribbean barbers by the names of um, Steve Campbell. Oh, I know Steve Campbell. My you know Steve, yeah. Oh, big oh, time. He's days, another bro. OG, bro. <laughs> OG, bro. He, that guy is talented, yeah, man. Yeah, man, Steve, and, yeah. uh, and, and Craig Bennett as well, who's, right. who's he was, man, he was... Bro, that guy was, he was the mix, man. He had the barbering, the patterns, and he was cutting with scissors. He had the mix at the time mm. where that mix didn't, it Ex- didn't exist. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. And, um, and then, and then I had another mentor at the college, Paul Mills, who was the, the head of the um, education department of hairdressing and barbering. And, and he was just like a disciplinarian, man. He was strong. He was all about service, how to be professional. And um, so I had a really, really lovely year at that college um of doing barbering with with these that i still would call my mentors today i'm still in touch with a couple of them um to be fair as well and i then was asked if i wanted to carry on doing hairdressing uh by paul and i at the time i was kind of like you know what man i'm I'm not really on that but i'm gonna do it because mum said to do it as well and you know you, you might as well and i was just like you know what i'm, I'm gonna just do it i'm gonna do it you know, I I really started picking up barbering. By the end of the year at college, I was, you know, helping some of the other students out. So I thought, yeah, it can't, you know, hair is hair. It can't be that tough. So I'm, I'm going to do it. So I spent another year doing hairdressing at the college. And um, I found it really tough, mate. I'm not going to lie. I found it really, really difficult. I was, you know, I started working in a barbershop at this time as well and going to college. And I just, I got really humbled, mate. I was, I thought I was doing really good at barbering. I started to build my clientele, but when I started learning women's hair, man, I was just uh, straight humbled, mm. man. I, I remember one time thinking, man, this is, I, I need to quit this. I can't do it. It's just crazy. I'm picking up hair. I'm picking up a hairdryer and a brush all at the same time. I, d- I just couldn't understand the function, but I cracked on anyway, and I, I continued. And I met uh, a guy called Mario there, who was uh, a manager of Hobbs Salons in Mill Hill. And, um, us, you know, I asked him if I could shadow him on the weekends. Um, by this time, I'm, I'm I'm 19 years old, and I asked him if I could shadow him. So I went over to uh, Hobby Mill Hill, and I was I was shadowing there one day a week. I was in college three days a week, and the other three days a week, I was I was cutting hair at home and in the barbershop. So I was flat out seven days a week, fully immersed at this point into my career. And eventually, uh, I finished up the college, um, turned 20. And uh, the guys at Hob there, they, they kind of saw my men's work because I used to have this portfolio that I'd carry around with me. You know, back then there was no Twitter. There ain't no social media. No, I think there was MySpace, but I weren't even on that. Um, there was no Instagram. So the only way that I could really show it's my work good old my fashion portfolio. Wow. Bro, I had a Nokia phone. I'd, I'd take a picture on a Nokia and I would go to the computer, print that thing up and I'd slip it into my portfolio. And I'd have just loads of different hairstyles, few patterns wow. there some textured hairstyles, um, some mullets going on. Um, so this this was like, oh, what, 2011? Okay. About the same time that I met okay. you. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm 20 years old here. And uh, I, I've been asked to, to you know, work, work at Hob if they were to teach me some more women's hair. And I was like, yeah, great, fantastic. 
so this time I started really getting into the industry. And this is when I started going to um, the exhibitions and that Salon International and, uh, and, and Pro Hair Live. And, and, and of course, this is where I met you one time up at, I mean, I'd seen you before, you know, on, on, on Salon International and that. And I was just like, yeah, this is, this is, this, this is gassy, bro. I need to, I need to do this. I need to hop on this thing. And, um, you know, eventually uh, met you there at Pro Hair Live as well. And um, I started working for Hob and I was, uh, I've been taught in their academy for a certain amount of months to, to kind of pick up my women's skills. And um, I started working there for about three, three or four years. And um, I had one goal in mind. I had one goal in mind, man, and that was to get on stage and share what I love to do. I knew from a young age I had something that I could share with the world. I knew that I was passionate about it, but I didn't know how to go about it. And that's when I come up to you and I said, yo, Chrissy, I love what you're doing. How do you do it? You know what I mean? I, I, and and I, remember, I remember you telling me, you know, enter competitions. Um, and, and that was one of the main things. And I was like, damn, man, like competitions, that's, that's a hard thing to get into sort of thing, you know? There's lots out there, but there's also lots of competition. So it was tough, man. I went back from there thinking, rah, you know, if I'm not with a clipper brand or if I'm not with a scissor brand, you know, how am I going to get noticed? And, you know, I remember um, the only kind of t time you'd get exposure was if you was in a magazine. Mm. And I was like, I I'm, I'm working from my garage at this point. And then, you know, that's why I reason, uh, that's one reason why I wanted to go and work with Hub because I thought that they would give me a platform in order for me to shine and, and, and to, to give me that kind of step up. But um, sadly, it didn't happen, man. I, I kind of felt a little bit limited there. And, um, you know, where I was so focused on men's, and that was always my passion, um, you know, they kind of didn't let me bring that into the company. I remember one time um, I said to them, you know, I'm working in Southgate at this point, and there's a lot of Turkish, a lot of Greek. And I thought, you know what, we could, we could get a barber chair in here, we could do some shaving. You know what I'm saying? I've got, I've got obviously the expertise, the, 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 the experience and, you know, let's bring it in uh, again, declined, man, wow. you know? So I was, I was starting to feel like, you know what, maybe, you, you know, maybe I should just roll with the men's, you know, and just, just drop, not quit, but just, just drop what um, I'm doing and, and focus on what I love doing. You know what I'm mm. saying? And um, I eventually, I eventually moved on because I wanted to start teaching. I started teaching the the the, the assistants there at, at Hub, and and I really really enjoyed it. You know, it took me back to going at college where I was teaching some of the fellow students, and again, I really enjoyed it. It was a feeling that, you know, gave me immense immense reward, and uh, I, I wanted to carry that on in a full time occupation. So, I'm now 22, and I'm uh, I, I started working at a place called the Hair Project. In, uh, in in Shoreditch in London and it was lovely you know it was so cool like the, the, being in that part of London at that age man it was just so it was such a, a creative environment and I started teaching uh, women's hair and men's hair like an MVQ level two and um, I was loving it man it was wicked and uh, because there was a new company um, sadly it didn't last long man I was only there for about four months until they had to let me go you know, so again, I was I was pushed back. I was, you know, I, I thought again, this is going to be my my next time to shine and get teaching and and whatever else. But again, I was I was I was again just limited. I'm 22 years old. I've been dreaming of this thing for five years, and uh, still nothing. And you know what really uh, not frustrated me, but maybe 
I was envious is my mate Samuel Palmer, who is now my business partner. He was working at Sanriz, and uh, he was he was in magazines. He was entering competitions, bro. He was doing everything that I wanted yeah. to do. And you can imagine, I was I went to school with a guy, so I was like, bro, this guy is mm. doing it, and I'm not. But I love what I do. So why is it not? Why am I not getting that break? Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? And um, I started feeling just not not demotivated, but just I felt angry, you know. I felt anger, and I was just like, this ain't this ain't on, you know. So I I, I moved on. I moved on from it. I didn't hold them feelings there. Um, and in fact, I got back in touch with Sam, you know, because I saw what he was doing, and I was loving it. So I, I wanted to sort of get back in touch, congratulate him, and. And he saw what I was doing. I was putting out loads of men's hair work and stuff like that, you know, with my portfolio. And by this time, I think Twitter had come about and I'd been putting uh, haircuts on my Twitter and he'd been seeing them. So we kind of got back in touch after a little while. And um, from there, we started to become um, socially active as well. We became friends going out and stuff um, because, of course, we were doing the same thing. I think when we was 15 at school, we kind of realised that we were both into hair. And then eventually by uh, 21, 22, we sort of realised that we gave each other the nod of respect of like, yeah, you're doing good, man. And, and so are you. And it was, you know, we're back in touch. So anyway, I'm 22 and I started to, uh, I started working back in my uh, my grandmother's garage. And um, I started building up my clientele and I was, you know, building up this reputation in my local area. I was doing 60, 70, 80, 90 haircuts wow. a week, week in, week out. Solid, bruv. Solid. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, just one second. I'm what? just saying, because I remember when I met you, there's another guy with you at the time, and he was telling me how you were working in your garage. And you got, and the guy actually, I don't know who was with you, but he was saying how hard you work. But I think that's mm. testament that when other people say how hard you work, then clearly it means that people are seeing the effort that you've put in. So carry on, my man. Yeah. So by this time, I was, I was, I was working in the garage um, of my grandma and, you know, I was doing loads of haircuts a week, man, building up a sick reputation. Like everyone in the, in the city knew who I was in terms of like, you should go and get your haircut. Anyone that was aged between sort of 15 and 30, mm. you know what I mean? Where you could have a cool hairstyle and it was nice. And then, Obviously, Sam was still working at Sanriz, and um, I think it was 2012, um, you know, eight years ago now, myself and Sam, we sat down, like I said, like I, said I was 22 years old, we sat down, had some lunch, and we said, you know, what? one day, man, we're going to open up in St. Albans, in our, in our local town, we're going to open up a sick shop um, where, you know, guys can come and get sick haircuts, get some refreshments, appointments, and just a nice environment for a man to come in as opposed to back then, which was, you know, you'd walk into a barbershop, you read newspaper, you wait your mm. turn. Or you'd go to a salon, you'd have a nice experience, but the haircut would be average because they're not men specialists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know I'm saying. So there was a niche at the time and we wanted to create that. And we were, you know, laughing and joking and sitting at the table eating some lunch. And we were saying, you know, 2014, we'll do it, man. And, um, you know, before long, uh, at the end of 2012, Sam uh, finished up at Sanriz, and um, that's when we decided to 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 join forces and 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 begin to work together. But we were trading from home, 
So we formed the company in 2012, November 2012, we formed the company and we were just working from home, but we had the platform on Twitter that we would upload both of our work. And then people started to notice, not just consumers, but barbers started to notice some of the haircuts that we were doing. And we started to build this reputation of, you know, two guys doing cool haircuts. What was different about, I'm just, um, let me just ask you, interject very quickly. What was different to what people were seeing at the time? Why was your work being noticed? Do you know, what? It, it just wasn't the typical short back and sides. Do you know what I'm saying? It wasn't the, I mean, back then, a number two on the side of someone's head was pretty mm. short. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Back in 2012, number two on the side of someone's head was pretty yeah. short. So when we were banging out skin fades and, you know, people were still having like textured hair on the mm. top. I remember we, we, we were using straighteners back then yeah, of as course. well. Again, something that, something that um, you know, barbering in itself wasn't really seeing. So we was kind of doing these textured hairstyles, using straighteners uh, and still having these short, haircuts on the sides and having a shape up with a point on the end, you know, you know, them of course. and, uh, and, you know, people started to notice it and really like it. And we was like, yeah, this is sick because we had that kind of hairdressing experience, but we also had some barbering experience as well. We, 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 we were fusing um, the, the niche market, you know what I'm saying? And so people like our, our clients uh, were really, really happy with our haircuts and obviously they started to recommend their friends and this is where hair started to evolve you know what i mean trends started to evolve into into something new and fashion forward and again with icons like david beckham who were changing their hair all the time it it allowed us to to, to kind of form some inspiration and 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 keep rolling with the times man um and that's certainly something that that, that we developed as a team you know uh, at that time so you know, uh, as as time went on, 2013, we started focusing on the brand and we we started to, uh, we done a London fashion week together. Um, again, no salon at this time. We were just two guys working under the same name, under the same banner. And uh, we, we just started working together. And um, eventually, 2014, February the 2nd, we opened up the doors to the very, very first Men's Buyer Salon. And, um, and, and, and that's how uh, it was pre-Menspire. That, that's my journey pre-Menspire. Obviously, since then, it has, you know, uh, six years later, 10 salons later, two academies later, um, you know, we, we've built something that is successful and, and, and hopefully sustainable. That is phenomenal. That you know? is phenomenal. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. It's I crazy. think I think one thing I've noticed about the the rise of Menspire and the whole philosophy is the culture. Uh, I think w- mm. what I what you know generally as a profile coach, I I speak to people about how they develop brands, how they develop uh, an idea, a concept. I think what's very apparent is there is a, a culture in your system. In your in your company, yeah. tell me about the culture of Menspa. Absolutely, man. Like, you know, culture is a big thing. You know, there's only two ways to influence human behavior, and it's either to manipulate it or inspire it. And and what we want to do as a team is to be able to inspire the rest of our team to, uh, you know, to be a professional inside the bit in the in the barber industry. You know, as we should expect it, and and ultimately forming a culture will breed good stuff. And, you know, I think in the barbering industry, everyone suffers from trying to find good stuff. It's not about 
trying to find good staff because what what is good staff? Someone that cuts hair good? No, that's not good staff, man. Good staff is someone that has you know a, a professional and coachable attitude because the skills we can work on that's not a problem. We can we can teach you what you need to learn. But one thing we can't do as a company is we can't teach you how to be polite. We can't teach you how to have good manners, man. That has to come from within. That has to come from you, uh, your upbringing and whatever else, you know, that brings that to the table. And, you know, our culture is ultimately to define the, you know, the quintessential man of service. You know what I'm saying? And if we can develop that, then we are going to have a business that is sustainable. And a business that is sustainable is is, is one that's profitable. And in, in this day and age, man, that is... That's the salon of success. Mm. So what what do you yeah. think people... So obviously you've, you've built one shop. Now you have, t- uh, you said 10 salons now? 10, Ten salons. salons yeah. And two academies. And obviously an international presence. Let's not even go there about the shows, you know, the shows that you do all around the world. Now, let, let yeah. me just break that down a second. So if you were to say the jump between one salon to two salon what was that like and then obviously from two to four to 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 ten what has that journey been like for you and what challenges were you faced in those those growing stages of your business sure started salon number two it was with uh, glenn mcgoldrick and again this, this is a guy that you really need to get on your podcast because he also had a dream you know his dream was to come over to england work with Menspire and eventually take back a Menspire to Dublin. And that's exactly what he did, pinpoint executed. And um, the challenges that we faced uh, when, when, when making this jump is, are we going to be able to control the standards? And how are we going to be, be able to control the standards? And, it, you know, it's a very simple thing. It all comes down to education and, and it's what we love and breathe. And it's ensuring that the stylists, again, as I mentioned before, have the right attitude and, and have the, the attitude that they're willing to take on uh, new information and, and willing to abide by um, a standardization that allows people to, you know, get successful results across the company uh, without limiting, obviously, their imagination. You know, we're all uh, have a, a similar cutting system, which is fantastic and, and a way of which we do service. But one thing we don't want to limit is people's imagination and take their creativity away from them. Um, and, 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 you know, thankfully, we've, we've been able to do that with, with, with systems, you know, and if, if it wasn't for having systems and a structure in place and an infrastructure within the business, then, you know, things will crumble. And you, it makes you wonder why, you know, these big giants of uh, companies around the world, Hilton, Starbucks, McDonald's, there's no surprise why there are so many of them, because they all have a structure, a formula that, they're, that their employees follow. And it gives them consistent results, whether you like their product or not. It gives them consistent results and it allows them to grow and develop as, as, as a big company. And that's it. Mm. So your systemization, was that something you developed very early in, in the actual business when you were two, when you're both together uh, developing a concept? Or when you started to grow, did you realize you have to put a system in place? So myself and Sam knew that we wanted to create a brand and not a barbershop. You know, a barbershop is, is, is very simple. Um, you know, res- I, res- I say that respectfully. Um, it's, it's a very simple process. But to create a brand is a, is a much, much wider perspective of thinking about how you want to be portrayed 
within business and how you want to develop and grow within business. And myself and Sam uh, knew we wanted to create something that was uh, first and foremost unique and something that could be um, replica, replica, uh, replicated. You know, we, we kind of had a dream of, uh, of within five years, we wanted to have one in Essex and one in London. Uh, you know, little did we know we, we absolutely surpassed that. Um, but what we mm. did know is that we wanted everything to be structured and everything to be and, and, and fall in a way that if anyone comes to work with us, uh, they kind of just know what to do. And I think we kind of got the experience from that by working in, you know, in, in, in hairdressers, because ultimately when you're working in a hairdresser, you have a cleaning rotor, you have a way that you are, maybe you greet clients, um, you, maybe where you check out clients, um, you know, there's just generally systems in place where in the barbershop, it's kind of, you know, it's more masculine, it's more free and easy. And I don't say more masculine as in there's no women in the barbershop. I mean, you know, it, it, it's it's a bit more casual, you know what I'm saying? But we wanted it to be, you know, really professional um, in a way that, you know, we, we can continue to help people reach their dreams. You know what I'm saying? Because mm. it wasn't about uh, me and Sam. If it was about me and Sam, it would have been, La Monica Palmer above the door but it wasn't La Monica mm. Palmer above the door because it wasn't about uh, one man or the other otherwise it would have been, it would have been called Manspire but it weren't about mm. one man in particular it was about us men and when we say us men as in Manspire what we mean is that we want to uh, inspire the men's industry by men uh, uh, for, for you know men's hairdressing so Ultimately, that means that we could build this culture around anyone who wants to contribute towards the men's industry. And therefore, that's why we called it Menspire as opposed to Manspire, you know. So that's, that's, that's the structure, you know. Hmm. I think you're right. I think, um, and there's something I've noticed when in the industry for many, many years, um, where where barbering has always been about the me and hairdressing has been about the we. Yeah. Um, and technically that's only because when you're looking at a barbering situation, you're dealing one-to-one -one with a, a client where in a hairdressing situation, you've got a team of people working for a goal. And I think when more uh, barbers start to think the way um, of the we, then you have growth Absolutely. versus versus oh this is my client i'm gonna just only look after this guy because he just walked in and you know people get territorial yeah. and there is there is a ego and bravado that happens Definitely. in barbering which hairdressing there is but it's it's more we because you realize you have to build a team to develop and grow absolutely man I've done, absolutely yeah so listen i want to talk about something now i, I it's an over in amsterdam and i was we're doing a show um, in Amsterdam and we, we, we just talked about um, your faith mm. and what does, how does faith uh, in your eyes uh, uh, help you with your career? Does it, what does it afford you in this industry? You know what, man, it's, um, it's interesting, you know, because um, it's, 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 it's quite a touchy subject in, in some respect, you know, because people that may listen that don't have faith, um, will tend to par it off a little bit. And, and, and I'm going to just say, you know what? I've had people ask me, do you know what I'm saying? What would, would you get out of praying? I pray every day. Chris, I pray every day, you know? Mm. And, and 
And listen, in times like this, listen, I think everybody's praying, regardless. You know what, it's you true, bro. It's tr- <laughs> in, in times like this, bro, we're, we're, we're in a situation, man. We're in a situation yeah, right now situation. where we are in a bro, situation. many people are realising, many people are realising that in the absence of work and entertainment, their lives have very little meaning. You know what I'm saying? And they are being mm. forced, we are being forced to look in the mirror and mm. understand that, you know, we're not happy mm. with what we see. That's true. You know, and, and, true. and the beauty of having faith is that it fulfills someone from the inside out. To answer your question, that is it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And mm. people ask me all the time, what, what, what would you get out of praying? You know what I mean? They ask me this and, and, and I, I tend to say, you know what? It reduces stress. You know, it reduces anxiety, it reduces pressure, it reduces um, any form of depression, it gives you hope, it gives you light, and ultimately, all these things that I lose, that is ultimately the gain. The fact that I lose, you know, all of the stress and, and pressures of, of owning a business, you know, when we pray, ultimately, that's what we, we gain. We gain an, a really, really uh, chemical balance that, you know, one can't do without meditating or praying. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So for me, mm. it gives me an, a really, really um, balanced sense of well-being spiritual well-being mental well-being emotional well-being and i think that's probably one of the most important things that you can have away from any type of material gain in this life is just to be balanced and just to be constantly constantly at ease and and and, and happy you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and i i think you get you need that balance i mean I, i've traveled extensively doing you know barbering and, and showing and sharing and, and I can imagine your calendar is like the most hectic uh, that it can be. <laughs> so tell me a bit about your travel calendar. What is that like? What's that like? And how you manage? I mean, of course, having faith helps you manage and gives you balance and stability. But you've got a family and all that sort of stuff. All these things are going on. But tell me how you manage uh, your travel um, commitments. Um, what does it look like? What does your calendar look like? Well, right now... It looks like I'm home for a long time. <laughs> which is a blessing, yeah, which is, is a blessing. Because um, it refocuses that and centers us. But let's say if you didn't have the, the kind of the ground, you know, obviously the, the kind of grind down that we had. Let's say maybe a year, a year ago. What was you know your, what? your calendar like? 2018, 2019, 2020. Every January, I say to myself, you know what? I'm, I'm going to slow down. I'm go- mm. I need to slow down. Mm-hmm. And every year, I just seem to speed up. It's mad. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know, and, oh, man, you know, I was, I was due to, you know, before, before this, I was due to go uh, every single week away. You know what I'm saying? Wow. And, um, and, and, it, I, and you've got a young family. I do. I've got you a little, just... I've got a little two-year-old, man. And, and I've been, <sighs> I've been, I've been, wow. I've been buying uh, buying my time until mm. I kind of said I remember saying you know when she gets to two I'm gonna really make sure that I slow it because at, at them times there where they're learning to walk talk 
you know, I I, I want to be missing that, and um, I need, I want to help develop that, and um, mm. you know what, if if it wasn't for this epidemic now, I uh, I probably still would be speeding up, um, quite quite selfishly in in some respect, man. You know, mm. I, I love what I do. And that you're driven, broke. you're driven, and that's that's the thing. I mean, it's it's a turmoil, it's an inner turmoil. You know, I've been there. I've had, I've had a young family. And sure, the commitments man. that are pushed on you is it's tough, but you're driven. You've got a purpose, and you want to do what you can. And that's that's only you know, it's a, it's the thing of having a family and and obviously doing the work that we love. Of course, man. Of course, it's 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 a temptation as well. You know, when someone says to you, you know what, can you come to Italy and do this show, or can you come to uh, America and do this show? You you you, you have. 50 50 response of saying yes or no and it's like you know that that love for what you do is like taking you towards a let the yes but the fact that you know you're going to be leaving your family for three four five six days is like you know it's it's the no and it's like shit i i'm gonna i have to just choose every single time and you know there's definitely a part of you that feels guilty in many many occasions you know but you kind of do have to bring yourself out of that position and and look at the bigger picture and and, and understand that you are you are providing for your family but at the same time if you've provided already then what are you providing for are you doing it out of ego or are you doing it out of 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 love for your for your family or or, or love for the craft like you, you have to check your intentions man you know especially mm. if you, when you're getting asked to do something every single week you do you have to you check your intentions and say what, what what's it going to bring to 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 the table ultimately you know is it going to help build your profile is it going to help uh build your bank is it going to help uh, build a certain country you know is it going to help build your family well, what is it going to do for you and then obviously from there you've got to sort of weigh it up and say yes or no you know mm-hmm. so you know I'm, I'm going to ask another question about the whole idea of the profile mm. so building a men's profile um, how did you go about putting the groundwork in and the foundations for building that profile to have this international mm. presence? You know what? So it all started with um, the MH Fed and um, Adam Sloan. There was a competition called the Young Feds um, back in 2015, I believe. And um, there was me, Danny Robinson, uh, Tarek got introduced. Uh, Richie Martin, Simon Kibler, and um, it was it was such an absolute honour to be involved in this this team that uh, had started to become recognised uh, by you know England, you know by the nation um, for being a little barbering team produced by the MH Fed, and that was my very very first kind of um, insight into kind of stage work, you know. Uh, I remember meeting mm-hmm. Adam Sloan up at Salon International, myself and Sam, we were just rolling around and uh, we met him and, and he took a liking to us um, and uh, we kind of stayed in touch. And then eventually they, they asked uh, if we would like to come and um, share some haircuts on on the stage. And you could, bro, you can imagine, yeah, from from time I was 18 and I realised what I wanted to do in my life, I realised mm. that my goal was to share knowledge on mm. stage Stage, Bruv, yeah. When I yeah, got to definitely. 25, mm. 25, the first time that I ever got a platform to be able to cut hair in front of people, yeah? Mm. 25. And you know what happened? Bruv, my model didn't turn up. 
Oh my Bruh. days. <laughs> Didn't turn up, man. <laughs> it's funny because uh, Sam had his model, Charlie had his model, and um, uh-huh. I was just like, oh man, this is just, and I was, I was vexed, bro. I was angry. And yeah. ever yeah. since the guys have just took the mick out of me since, you know, chucking <laughs> photos in the group of angry man faces and that and saying that's me. And... <laughs> but you know what? The, the, the model eventually turned up and they gave me a second, they gave us a second slot, man. And I think the guys were like, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to do the second slot. And I was like, I am. This is it. <laughs> so I ended up doing it, man. And, um, you know, they, they, the guys on MHP, Adam and that, they loved what they saw from us all. And, um, you know, eventually I got I got uh, into this uh, team of the MH Fed and, and that was it. We started doing some shows around the UK and um, I started building up a, a kind of reputation, um, you know, for, for doing some cool haircuts and, and, and speaking uh, my mind mm-hmm. to people. And, and, and you know what? It's true. People will never forget the way you make them feel. And that's how I think I built um a, a really lovely stage presence in terms of talking about what i do and 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 in in joining people through my experiences so mm. that's where it all kind of started and then um myself and charlie we were up and down the country um taking classes uh, at people's salons and then eventually we built our team um which allowed me to bring in people like janelle uh, at the time glenn um, Gianni, uh, you know, to, to come on board and, and join me in this education process because I didn't, again, I didn't want it to be about one man again. It was, it was men's fire through and through and, and I want people to contribute towards education with, with the, you know, their own being as well. Like we had one guy called Janelle who um, was a really, really talented haircutter. He, he grew and grew and grew and he had a really, really cool way about his teaching. It was really, really um laid back but you know people enjoyed that and I wanted people from my team to experience that as well so eventually we started traveling worldwide and um what can I say man 35 countries later 2020 here we are you know it's, wow it's, it's, it's been a dream mate to be honest with you it's been, yeah. it, it, it yeah. is it's been a dream I'm living the dream what can I, what can I, I don't know really mm. what else to say well, listen, that's what it is. I think most of and you know, we all have this dream to kind of be the best that we can be. And I think some people fall short or they, they sell themselves short that they cannot achieve that dream. Yeah. Um, and it's quite, it's a testament of one, hard work, two, seeing opportunity and also asking. Because like I said, if you don't ask, you don't get. And you've, you've obviously asked a few people, you've been the right, you've been in the right, right place at the right time, put yourself forward. And that is a, is a testament of where you are right now, which is phenomenal, which is phenomenal. Thanks, Sam. So, so the brand, um, do you think the brand has helped you with the profile? I mean, has the brand or the, the brand helped um, boost your profile personally? Or do you think people buy into you as the kind of one of the heads of the brand i think it's a little bit of both i think people like to um you know hold on to a brand that is prestigious it's the same way that people buy adidas or people buy nike do you know what i'm saying people hold Mm. on to um a collective community Mm. and um Mm. and and also people do buy you you know you are your own person you are your own you have your own thoughts and, and feelings and and people also buy into that and you know but you know, for me, it's, it's always the same goal, man. It's all about the company 
that you keep. And, and, and I can humbly say, you know what, Chris, I have the best company in the world. Mm. And I don't mean that. Brilliant. I don't mean that by saying, you know, Men's Spy is the best company in the world. It's this, it's that, like it's got no flaws. What I mean is that I have the best company around me because these are the people that support me. And these are the mm. people that I support. And that's what I mean when I talk about the best company. And that's what everyone should, should strive for, you know, even in their small barbershop to their big companies, you know, having a, a strong team around you that have your back uh, in, in, in times where, you know, you might doubt yourself. This is the company that we need to keep around us, man. Mm-hmm. I think that's fundamental. What you just said there, it's it's the the company is the we, not the again the 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 the, the, the what is on top of the door. Yeah. It is the the and having that philosophy clearly has uh, made you very very successful. That's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know what, I, I am really kind of um, really excited to ask you this other question. And I know you've always um, been one that's obviously been on stage. You've talked a lot. You've shared a lot of philosophy about the industry. Tell me one thing um, right about now that has if if you were to tell somebody one piece of advice mm. right one nugget right from man like josh lamonica right <laughs> okay what would that be what would that one piece you of know advice what? be? if people are listening to this now during the epidemic that exists you know you have got two buttons you either press the reset button whilst we're in this quarantine or when we get out you're going to press the regret button wow you know and and what let me get deep into that what i mean by that is oh yeah i want to hear this man i'm 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 about to go i love to go deep (laughs) we have well we don't even know it could be 12 weeks it could be three weeks but however much time it is you need to focus on what you want to get from your life in the next 12 weeks, in the next 12 years. And if you're not doing that, then you are going to be tapping that regret button because this time here is where we have the opportunity to uh, recover and then discover what we want from our lives. And that's it. Wow. Oh man, that's some serious, some serious uh, look at, <laughs> at people's intentions and moving forward. And I think that's the the beauty of um, looking at. Again, I, I see this personally. Um, I see this as an opportunity, like yourself. It's just I'm now refocusing. Um, I've always I love coaching now, so my passion now, Josh, is not teaching yeah. people hairdressing. Can I just say that you inspired me? to break down the whole process of building profile. Wow. This is why I do now wow. that because you asked that one question, how do I become big? I said, you know what? I want to break it down and have a simple step-by-step formula for everybody who wants to. And I believe that everybody can, and but not everyone will. Do you know, if you had this 10 years ago, how much easier it would have been for me? <laughs> oh my god well, this, this is, is like <laughs> it's like 10 years in, in in however many sessions bro this is honestly man like you, you know when there was only magazines back then there weren't no you yeah. weren't yeah 
it weren't Twitter weren't a thing like you know on social media now you have many people becoming an ambassador of a scissor company, Bearman yeah. becoming an ambassador of a clipper company, a product company. Mm. That we, we didn't mm. have that. I didn't have that opportunity. But now it is mm. right there in your face, you know, and, and, and people need to be making the most of this, man. You know, people need to mm. be reaching out. Like I, I couldn't just reach out to Weller when I was 19 years old. I couldn't reach out to, uh, I don't know, L'Oreal. I couldn't reach out to these people as a, as a young man working from his grandmother's garage. That just was impossible. Now you can just mm. tap the mm. message button on the Instagram page. And you can just say, hey, look, I'm, I'm trying to do this thing. Do you need people? Mm. Or, or how can I do this? Or how can I do that? You know, and, and, and this is a great time right now for people to start studying, you know, what they want to get from the rest of their career and, 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 and taking coaching sessions from you to really find out how they can, you know, become that platform artist and, and, and stuff like that. And, you know, man, it's, it's, it's a simple saying, like, is your mind full or are you being mindful of what you're doing you know you could be watching netflix or you could be watching chris foster do you know what i'm saying this right now is an opportunity to to really uncover your best self and it Mm. just takes time and we've got time now josh i didn't realize you're so deep my man bro i'm I'm telling you i'll keep going i'll keep going bro (laughs) Still waters, I'd bro. This is talking about still waters, my man. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is amazing, man. Uh, this is phenomenal. And listen, if you want to keep going, so uh, let's do it. Let's I'm, do it. Let's do I'm it. Here, I mean, I'm, I'm, here. I'm you you know, know what? I'm, let's, I'm, let's I'm currently sitting in my little daughter's playhouse, chilling in the right. garden. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm good, bro. I'm good, man. <laughs> so, what do you think after this whole process, this whole lockdown is, uh, is done? What do you think the the industry will look like? I mean, I've been having lots of conversations with people who are, you know, very worried out that you obviously you're a businessman now, mm. so you've got more responsibility. It's just not you; it's it's a business. It's it's it's. What do you think the landscape will look? like? You know like? what? Um, for salons. I think it's going to be absolutely fine, you know, because hair only grows and, you know, clients aren't going to be cutting their hair themselves for the rest of their life. You know what I'm saying? And, and if anything, clients are going to appreciate you more now than before because they, they mm. are realizing how special and important that you are to making them look and feel fantastic. So for the salons, I think we're going to be absolutely okay. And of course, uh, right now, the government are, um, you know, helping people with a rateable value of 15 to uh, 51,000. You'll get a 25 grand grant. Uh, if, it's bet- if it's below 10,000, you'll get a 10,000 grant. So uh, all, the, all the salons and businesses, they're going to be looked after. Um, as for education, I'm not entirely sure i'm not confident that um it's going to be okay um and 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 i can talk about our circumstance personally our academy here at the uk is a rateable value of fifty one thousand five hundred pounds so we don't get nothing we don't get no support Mm. and if i don't get a freeze by my landlord then we could be in, in in deep deep trouble man and that could be a very very concerning situation you know and i think that people going back to work you know barbers and hairdressers going back to work they won't be interested in, uh, you know, taking courses two, three hundred, four thousand pound a time. They won't be interested in that because they'll be 
so focused on making money where they've lost time making money over the last three weeks, mm. four weeks, 12 weeks, however long it can be. I think education is something that is going to get pushed aside for a certain amount of time. And do you know what? It's funny because Luke Dolan actually messaged me last night um, as I've done a live with Alan Beek. And I was talking about this and, and, and Luke kindly messaged me saying, you know what, people, Josh, are going to they're going to choose their education wisely. They're not just going to choose to spend money on throwaway education. And that's what um, I'm, you know, I was really pleased to hear that from 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 Luke, because, you know, I've, I've, I've spent, you know, a lot of my career where every year of my career spent on education. You know what I mean? Spending time on education and trying to work out how to bring the best out of students. And it's something that's really, really important to me. So to, to see um, anything fall from this pandemic would be really, really, uh, really quite emotional, man, you know. Mm-hmm. But so what would what would you say to somebody in, who was considering uh, becoming an educator? Because over the last couple of years, there's been a flood Ooh. of people coming mm. into the industry. Um, and I've seen it. And, I, you know, I think for me personally, when when they when everyone zig, I zag. So I jumped off education. Yeah. Uh, and doing actual courses now because it was just it's just it's just so much people and I think you're right I think people are going to be very choosy right now of education and a brand like yourself I think will do me just fine purely because brands and strong brands like you've got will just just rise to the top I don't think there's any will be touched it'll be slow but everybody will know the brand but, you know, educators is a time a dozen. Mm. But let's say, for instance, you want, you're giving someone an advice about how to become an educator. What would that advice be? Do you know what? I would, I would be, you, you've got to be really, really honest. And you've got, to, you've got to check your intentions again. You've got to know why you want to be an educator. Are you doing mm. it because you know that you can earn a little bit of guap? Um, mm. on the side of doing... And you could bit, a bit of travel and yeah. people I, taking pictures of the selfies and yeah. all that kind of jazz. Then, like, you know? like you say, man, there's been a lot of... Lot, there's been an influx of educators and, and everyone has their, um, their own right to educate. You know what I mean? Everyone mm. should share their knowledge and I think that's absolutely brilliant. You know, we mm. shouldn't deter that. But, you know, there, there, there comes a time where information also needs to be considered. You know, where there's guidance there's also misguidance and that's really really important that we don't want to leave people going down the wrong path with wrong habits etc so for me if you're planning on being an educator then understand that you have to be the reason that someone wants to join this beautiful industry you need to be the example that someone wants to become and you need to be the reference that people need to call upon when they need help support or they're in doubt and 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 that's really really important if you want to become an educator mm-hmm. i think that's that's so that's so poignant um i, I kind of let me add to that because i do believe that you're right people I, when i came into industry i wanted to be that reference when there was not really not really much happening in the barbering industry so i said i wanted to be the reference of people that if they want to get into barbering they will look at me mm. i'm not being funny and that's the real that's the truth that, and i went on stage and i i um you know 2006 7 i was uh, i just joined a fellowship when barbers weren't really invited into the fellowship at all and mm. I, I remember mm. i remember kind of like had to 
I had a reference where I think it was, um, uh, it was, I had to, they actually called me up because they couldn't believe that one, um, Desmond Murray um, endorsed me and also Be- Beverly C. Beverly yeah, C. Yeah, is obviously yeah, yeah. hatred. She endorsed me as well. And they were like, who is this guy? I don't really believe there's barbers want to join a fellowship. Yeah. Uh, they had to physically call me up. They called up the references and they said, yeah, were, I was allowed to join a fellowship. So for me, it's important to say that if you are going to come into this industry, you have to say, I want to be a reference point. Yes. And that passion is not about pounds or pence. Mm. It really is about share. I want to be that guy, that girl. And you, it, will, uh, it will outlive the time that you have on this planet because that's legacy. That's not just like, and I believe, like I say, you, what, you're, what you're doing right now is the next generation are, are living a legacy which you're laying down right now, my man, Josh. Mate, that's, and that's what I'm genuinely saying, my man. Mate, we, I need to interview you, man, because I've got questions for you, bro. I want to I wanna question. I, I've seen you on TV, bro. Like, <laughs> what? How does a man that gets <laughs> hair in barbering, bro, get on TV? Come on, bro. Like, you have been that reference. And, and, and when I say those three things, be the example you know, be the reference, you know, it's, it, uh, this is exactly it. This is, this is why you're doing what you're doing, coaching people, because you're, you're able to give people this opportunity that I didn't get. And, and, and people, you know, if you're listening, man, you need to, you need to take note and, and take some of these coaching sessions because man, if I could, I would have done so, man. I would have done so. Oh, bless, man. Bless, bless, bless. Uh, Josh, Josh, uh, again, I, I think uh, when you do your your podcast, I'll definitely <laughs> come and I do a, a slot with you, man, definitely. I definitely uh, I love yeah, to share my can... story with you. But it's not about me. It's about you and about your career. And I want to say, you know, uh, this for me has been a phenomenal interview right now. And I hope you guys listening can take a leaf at Josh's books. You have to understand hard work and persistence and the years of graft has got him to what he is right now and for me bruv uh, enough respect absolutely 100% beloved to you man seriously thank, thank, you, thank you thank you man well guys that was an interview with Josh LaMonica well you know I really really am excited for you guys because my next bonus that I want to give to you guys who are listening right now is an opportunity to jump on a coaching call with me. I want to be able to have a chat with you to find out how I can help and support you in your career efforts. Where do you want to take your career? Do you want to be an educator? Do you want to travel a world? Do you want to set up a personal brand? What is it that you're looking for? Allow me to jump on a clarity call with you just to get some focus on where you should be focusing for your next moves within the industry. So to get this free bonus, I am going to put a link in the show notes. So please click that link or you can check out the resource page at www.eliteprofileacademy.com. On the resource page, go right down to the bottom and you can jump on a free training session um, with me and then book on a coaching call. That's the best way that we can actually work together to make sure that you crush it within the hairdressing industry.